So, Jeff, I just got an email. I think we've got our first sponsor. Oh, yeah. Advertising yeah. dollars. Yeah. So let's let's read this. Uh, you've got it in front of you, right? Yeah, I got this card. Okay, you're great. Okay, okay. Hey, you want a new chew toy? Maybe a delivery of treats because your owner won't share theirs? Or are you looking for a good time and it's catnip you're craving? Then you need Pets.com. Pets.com. Because Because pets pets can't can't drive. drive. (laughs) That was great. Well done. Ned, I think it's your turn to do the intro. Well, I disagree, but it says it right here on the notes, so uh, I guess I'll go ahead and do it. Welcome to episode 7 of 90 Schmaltz, where two 90s guys do a belly flop on the shows we grew up watching, from after-school specials, TGIF, and Saturday morning cartoons. We talk about nostalgia, bad acting, and why these shows were radical. You can find us at www.90schmaltz.cool, 90schmaltz dot cool. And uh, that's actually true now. It is true now. This this has not been true every time we said it, but this has been a busy week for us because we are actually on platforms. Yeah, you can find us now on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Spotify, or wherever the wherever else we decide to upload. Yeah. So how are you today, Jeff? Uh, I'm tired today. A lot been going on. Yeah. It's busy getting ready to start class back up for my master's so that's going to slow us down but we'll figure that out i've got ideas it's only 11 weeks actually it's only 10 weeks um there's a break in the middle if we can find a day to do a normal recording by by august we'll be back to normal we'll find something because the other two classes aren't back to back they're spread out i won't have a problem you got two more after this yeah i'll have two left after these so it's two this summer and then one i'll start in november and then my last one starts in February, and I'll technically have a master's degree in the end of March. Wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you very much. In advance. <laughs> Anything new from last episode? Well, we liked the last two shows a little bit too much, so we picked the lowest rated IMDb show on our list. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've gone through quite a couple of good shows previously. Yeah, and I think even Nightman, I enjoyed. Uh, I think everything bad that we've been through is either just either not to our taste or still has some charm to it. Uh, so we solved that problem. I want to leave some secrets for the rest of the show, but I think Nightman caught on a little bit for me after this. Yeah. <laughs> what is our show today? So today we're talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, we're talking about the Ninja Turtles, the next mutation. Oh, that's not the same show? It is not the same show. Uh, Ninja Turtles, The Next Mutation, released September 12th, 1997, and ran for one season, 26 episodes, until May 1998. Uh, It aired on Fox Kids Fridays, and it was originally promoted to be a continuation from the movies, but I'm not 100% sure what we ended up getting here. Yeah, it's really something. Let's just start in on it. So during their fight against the Foot Clan, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles meet a new turtle named Venus de Milo, who uses her skills to defeat Shredder and disband the Foot Clan. Afterwards, she helps the turtles win the rank, led by Dragon Lord, escape from their enchanted glass in a plot to take over the Earth. There's a lot going on in that description. There is a lot going on. <laughs> so what's the, what are the Ninja Turtles, Jeff? If someone doesn't know, as you, you go to our website, 90schmaltz.cool, 
you'll see that we obviously ha must have some fondness for the Ninja Turtles based on the pictures we have posted. Yeah, the uh, Ninja Turtles, you know, the beloved Ninja Turtles. Cowabunga. Our pizza-loving. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was originally a comic created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird in 1983. They founded Mirage Comics, started printing and distributing it out of their apartment, and it was an enormous hit. Uh, there have been four separate animated series, six movies, several comic runs, dozens of video games, and an enormously successful toy line in the late 80s, early 90s. So, the original beloved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon was a series that ran for 10 seasons from 1987 to 1996. I could have sworn it ended in 1992, but that's an impressive run. It is, and that is for another episode. Yeah. Uh, I think that might even be a two-parter. I got a lot to talk about as far as that. Because you would have to talk about the movies and the toys, I think. Correct. I mean, it's hard that. not to. We're going to talk about those a little bit, but only to set up uh, the face plant. Yeah, we definitely have to reference it just so we can kind of do our, our general callback. But we don't want to spend too much time on any of these. So we haven't mentioned yet in the description, this is a live-action TV show. So with the big foam costumes. So it shares a little bit more to do with the movies. The first movie came out in 1990. It's pretty good. The second in what, 91? The second one came out like 10 months after the first one. It was pretty good. And it shows. <laughs> and then the third one was just not very good. It's cheap. No one else, no one came back. They changed uh, effects companies. Uh, there was a live music show, which was a big cool thing to do in the 80s and the 90s. I went and saw Double Dare live, I remember. But the Ninja Turtles one was called Coming Out of Their Shells, and it was a musical rock act. Did they ever do, like, a Ninja Turtles on Ice? Do you remember that? I don't think so. I think this Coming Out of Their Shells was their Ninja Turtles on Ice. Because I think Disney on Ice was the big one with that, and that's what Rugrats was making the joke out about with Reptar on Ice. Yeah, Vanilla Ice. <laughs> that's, now that's Ninja Turtles on Ice. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go! I think that song's all right. <laughs> This show is pretty much the last gap of the original adaptation cycle of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because after this show, which does draw a lot for the original cartoon series, while changing a lot, after this there was a hard cut and we didn't get anything else Ninja Turtles related until I think the 2003 or 2002. Uh, February 8th, 2003 was the release date. Cool. And so that one was a much closer adaptation to the comics because the first cartoon series was a little bit loose with the adaptation and made it a little bit funnier, less serious than the original comics, which was which were fairly dark for a uh, a world full of delightful animal people. And that's definitely the direction they went with the one we're talking about now, Ninja Turtles, the next mutation. <laughs> this one is uh, it's a farce. This is like flat slapstick farcical kind of direction that they're doing in this series the term next mutation was originally an attempt i think with the comics to reimagine and go somewhere else because the gas was running out of ninja turtles in the mid 90s well that's why we got the new characters well the original next mutation was a reimagining for the comics where the turtles continue mutating and get new powers do they become more human-like because i actually don't know anything about this from the comics and this didn't actually happen that's what's important okay so, so non-canonical this is where the term next mutation first shows up. Okay. With that, Leonardo got, like, chromey metal skin. He could kind of colossus out. Michelangelo could make himself appear mostly human. Donatello gets psychic powers but goes somewhat blind. 
and Raphael turns into a wild man raptor thing, kind of like a bone claws Wolverine version of Raphael. <laughs> and I don't know if that means anything to you, but someone will know what that means. The final quote I have about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles leaving up to this is Peter Laird has said, the only licensed product I truly regret is Ninja Turtles, the next mutation. Hey, you know what, Peter? I also regret it. I, uh... <laughs> not, not, to, not to share our feelings too soon, but this is kind of going into it. You know, be prepared for it. It's a mess. Do you remember this, Jeff? I don't remember this at all. I, I Looking through the toys that we'll get to later, I don't remember any of them either. And I spent more than enough times in a KB toys. Yeah, same. I probably wasn't watching Fox Kids at this point because uh, this would be like seventh grade for me. I I actually do vaguely recall seeing that there was a live action. So I, maybe I caught an episode, but it obviously left no impression on me whatsoever. Tell me about the VHS, Jeff. Oh, yeah, the VHS. Because at least it has one. It does have one. It Fox Home puts the VHS out. It The box looks great. It actually looks like something that you would rent, right? It's in a good shell, like a, uh, the black clamshell. The front, this is for East Meast. East meets West, the all-new live-action adventure starring the world's most radical superheroes. And they're in the front in their pose, in their action poses, except for Venus, who's in a uh, yeah her sassy girl boss pose. On the back, we have their leaner, their greener, and this time they've got company. From the darkened sewers of New York to the mysterious splendor of China and beyond our world to the spiritual realm of dreams. Celebrate the return of Leonardo, Raphael, Michelangelo, and Donatello with Ninja Turtles, the next mutation. The most radical superheroes on the planet are now full-grown ninjas. And in this brand new live-action adventure, East meets West, they discover a new enemy, the nefarious Dragon Lord. And a new friend, Venus de Milo, a female mutant ninja turtle. Who, uh, by the way, apparently in this general lore, right, was with them from the beginning, but she ended up somewhere else and not in the New York sewer originally? Yeah, she fell into a sewer and ended up in China or something. I don't know. They, It's unclear. She studied the ways of a shinobi mystic in Shanghai somehow and then ended up back here. It's, it, it's all a little unclear and this show's not particularly interested in giving you a deep background. Uh, I guess her her previous name was uh, Mei Pei Chi or something like that. I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation, but you know what? I'm sure they butchered it they in did the show, too. too. Yeah. Well, that's a fun. So one US of EHS with highlights from episodes one to five. This seems to be a common strain in the things we're going through where they edit together a movie out of the first couple episodes. Or the first couple episodes are a movie. That's exactly what this Because the first five are the East Me Sweats or whatever. It's our reintroduction to whatever this is happening and i think all the promos were specifically all that stuff anyway yeah it's possible it's uh i think it's too uh short to be all five episodes it's 75 minutes and these are 20 minute episodes so that they're missing 25 minutes so it is i, I think it's edited this one is at least well it'll be like a um like a what are they an ova in anime or whatever it is <laughs> what's a, what's what's a live action version of an ova original video actual it, it that is still an ova <laughs> what else could you be watching oh yeah i do want to know what else you could be watching because as you said you don't remember this neither do i i want to know what else i was watching i would have been watching a couple of these things so we got reading rainbow yes sally jesse Raphael. i know it i never watched it <laughs> yeah, same home improvement yes 
Beetlesborg Metallics. Yes. Beetle Beetlesborg Beetleborgs Metallics. Yes, Beetleborgs. I believe that's the second season of Beetleborgs. Also, uh, same production company as this, by the way. Quack Pack, the teenage Huey, Dewey, and Louie show, which is pretty good. And Wishbone. Oh, I loved Wishbone. Delightful. And speaking of Beetleborgs. What, it, Big Bad Beetleborg is first, right? And then that? Yeah, it was Big Bad Beetleborgs and then Beetles, Beetleborgs Metallics. Beetlesborg. Why do I want to call them like Beetlesborg? I don't know. So mentioning Beetleborgs, this show, Next Mutation, was made by Saban Entertainment, which you'd most likely know as the Power Rangers guys. They did all those Power Rangers style shows, like VR Troopers. They somehow had a pipeline to the tokusatsu shows of Japan, and they were able to recut them successfully into American shows for, I assume they're still doing it, but in the 90s, they were making money hand over fist with this stuff. Basically, yeah. Then they had, to, I mean, they were making money hand over fist, and then on top of it was the toys. Saban Entertainment is a pretty big media company. It's There's been a couple of acquisitions. It's still a holding company of some sort. The details elude me there. I got a little bored reading about it because it's definitely some Wall Street business stuff instead of interesting business stuff. There's like rights going back and forth in a way that I find uninteresting. But it's a company run by Haim Saban, who is a incredibly rich man from Israel who got his start in the music industry and he made a lot of his initial fortune off of the licensing and copyright of the music rights related to the series that he was working on and distributing and coming off the success of power rangers fox was looking for another hit and they tapped their old reliable saban to bring them something new to give them ninja turtles the next mutation yeah or maybe they were just the ones who were willing to take it too because as we said this is the tail end of Ninja Turtles, it was starting to struggle already. By the time they were talking about this show, they had to it had to have been after the third movie. Maybe Peter had just bought a new house and needed to make some payments. No animation company on this because it's live action, but the suits seem to have been built by the Chiodo brothers, Stephen, Charles, and Edward. You'd probably most know them for Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That is the movie that they did all parts of themselves. Oh man, did they? <laughs> The only thing I can ever remember about that movie is the cocoon space peanut or the, <laughs> the circus peanut where they would put the people. As if we needed more reasons to find those things unappetizing. <laughs> they make peeps look good in comparison. I don't know how anybody actually eats those. I think they just, it's like leftover chemical waste that they just turn into something that's edible. My conspiracy theory is that it's just the same like 150 circus peanuts and they just keep rotating them through in a recycling scheme manner. No one, no one eats them. But the Chiodo Brothers is in a lot of interesting work. They're a fun effects house. They made Critters, and they did the effects work on Ernest Scared Stupid, which I love. I don't know if you've seen Ernest Scared Stupid. I have, yeah. Good one. Great effects in that. Hmm. Can I read your fun fact? Yeah, sure. Raphael goes to see Critters in his first sad wander in the first movie. That's awesome. I didn't even know that. I did not read through your notes previous to this. That's a fantastic fact. Yeah, so he goes out of the movie and he says, where do they come up with this stuff? <laughs> I don't know how they picked Critters or why. I looked for a production connection in there that would, why you would have that movie in there, and I couldn't find anything. So it's just a coincidence that four years later, they're going to be building the next, the next Raphael. Small, Small world. world. Uh, so as we said, premiered September 12th, 1997. It was broadcast on Friday afternoons at about four o'clock on fox kids this is one where we couldn't find a created by credit 
the closest thing I found was a developed by Dan Clark credit. And that's about as good as I can find. It seems like no one really wanted to own this show. Yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, besides for the fact that, you know, the creator credit is still probably going towards um, the original creators of Teenage Mutant Ninja yes. Turtles. And yeah, it's be just, Eastman this is like a brainchild. Yeah, there's a, it, there doesn't seem to be like a strong showrunner on this, uh, which tracks. Is that normal for Sabina, I guess? I don't know. I haven't full looked. control of the way that they implement most of that stuff. A lot of these Saban Entertainment projects, Power Rangers included, I think were a strange pipeline. You were shooting one thing on a very cheap budget and then mashing that together with other footage. I wonder what that looked like. Yeah, I can see that. That seems like it could be very complicated. And so this is one of the few things that they just made outright in the 90s, which is why it's, I feel like it's kind of strange and why they might have just kind of ended up with it. The only other thing they did completely original was the Mystic Knights of Tir Nanog the ancient Irish Power Rangers spinoff when they ran out of tokusatsu shows. Oh, I want to go over that one of these times. They made their own, and I really want to cover the Mystic Knights of Tiernanog, because it, it's something. It's probably like this. It probably is. No, I don't know. I, it takes itself very seriously. So the music's by Larry Seymour, Jeremy Sweet, Shuki Levy, and Kusamachi. Shuki Levy is a frequent uh, collaborator on Saban Entertainment products. A lot of times... When they would adapt an anime, instead of using the original music, they would rewrite the music so that they could license and copyright the new music for themselves. The man has 158 composer credits. Shuki Levy? Yeah. Yeah. He's a busy guy. I think he did Inspector Gadget? Yes, he did. 86 episodes for Inspector Gadget. Fantastic. Inspector Gadget has this great theme song, great music. Uh, 130 episodes of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Tons of work. Uh, And Kusamachi is actually Haim Saban's composer alias as we discussed and there's some amount of controversy about how much Haim Saban writes the music that he gets credit for all that's been settled out of court so we can't say for certain what exactly is happening but he does have a lot of credits where he's like fourth on a list of four and I don't know how much music they composed for this show 123 credits Haim Saban yeah because on the IMDB they name him directly they don't name uh, Kusamachi they do do Haim Saban if you click on Kusamachi in uh, on Wikipedia it'll take you to Haim Saban's page oh uh, okay I just see the Camp Candy Killer Tomatoes Alf yeah I mean he did a ton of work he, like there's no denying that he that he definitely did the work but when there's a thing like this where there's four people is he just using his the fact that he is a composer and can get there to kind of grab some of those rights and what's the, the main music that we watch the two episodes? The only real music is the intro theme and the ending theme. And one has words and the other one doesn't have words. All the rest of the show is sound effects. Haim Saban did say that when he would tell people he was doing cartoon music, he said, I could see the sympathy in their eyes. And if they knew how much money I was making, they wouldn't be reacting the way they are. I mean, looking at this list, he's still making a lot of money. No, he's colossally rich. He's one of the richest men in Hollywood. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Tell me about the cast. The cast. This was a slog to get through. Yeah, this was rough. For every turtle, there are three actors. Yes. Voice, motion, and then emotion and stunt in most cases. I have a feeling it might be voice, puppeteering, and body. That'd be my guess as to the division. But we, again... This is a slog. We couldn't find that information. 
No, we we couldn't. I mean, I know who voiced it, and then I know who I'm going to credit as motion stunt, essentially. Uh, that's about it. The, the typical sources you use, like IMDb and Wikipedia, all disagreed as to which people went exactly where. Yes. The voice did. we're sure of, but everything else is a little bit woogity. The, uh, the research time to go through all of this was uh, longer than I really want to admit for this television show. We'll start with Michelangelo, voiced by Kirby Morrow. He's got 199 credits. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. We got a lot of uh, anime, and he also did Cyclops, Scott Summers from X-Men Evolution. And he got to be uh, Goku in the Canadian version of Dragon Ball Z, because apparently that's a thing. Um, there's an English version and a Canadian version. I got to find the Canadian dub of Dragon Ball Z. The motion actors for Michelangelo are Jared Blancard and Lauro David Chatrand, which, by the way, I'm pulling up for Lauro David. He's got 297 stunt credits, for so good for him, and one costume and wardrobe department credit for a movie that he essentially created, wrote, and shot himself called Rumbo First P. You guys should look that one up. And he's our only connection to Star Trek Insurrection that I found from the main cast. So he is definitely listed. One of the worst Star Trek movies. He, he's a stunt player. Yeah, Insurrection isn't his fault. Moving on to Raphael. Matt Hill's The Voice, 156 credits. Might know him from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Um, Captain N. Um, he's Raphael in TMNT 3. And he's Jab from Street Sharks, if you guys remember Great. Street Sharks. He's, he's a Ninja Turtle and a Ninja Turtle ripoff. Yes. Incredible. Uh, motion actors Mitchell A. Lee Yen and Dean Cho. Donatello, we've got Jason Gray Stanford as the voice. 96 credits. He was Kento of Hard Rock from Ronin Warriors. I love that show. He also voice acted in Mummies Alive. I want to get to that one at some point. I do too, because I love the opening for that one. Geoff Wong and David Sue Richard Yee were motion. We've got Leonardo, Michael Dobson is the voice. 297 actor credits. All right. He's Duke Dermal from Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. Duke Dermal. That's it. Is it not time for us to once again create an era where good old traditions are practiced so that we may govern this world properly? Uh, Colonel Sawada, Cody, and Thrasher from Street Fighter, the animated series. What fun. And then the motion actors are Gabe Kuth and Larry Lamb. And Larry Lamb is, he's got 101 stunt credits, but he also was in TMNT2 and TMNT3 um, on those credits. So he actually, he did, he did the real thing. Venus de Milo is voiced by La Lalina. Can you pronounce that one for me? I'd say Lalina. Lalinia. Lalania. That's it. Lalania. Lalania. Lindbjerg. Lindbjerg. She's got 64 actor credits. She's Bulma from Dragon's Ball Z. Great. And Dragon Ball. Dragon's Ball. Dragon's you're Ball. Just, Beetlesborg and Dragon's <laughs> Ball. <laughs> now, she was also in Ronin Warriors. She was uh, Mia Koji. Great. Uh, Nicole Parker and Shishar Inakala are motion for Venus. And Nicole Parker is... She's actually very difficult to try to find any information on because there's multiple Nicole Parkers out there. Yeah, it's a tough and name. our Nicole Parker here, she didn't stick around for very long in the acting scene. But she is one of the nasties from the never-ending story three, the nasties with Jack Black as the leader. Where'd he go? Find him! Splinter, voiced by Stephen Mandel. Uh, he's got 89 actor credits, mostly walk-ons, but he did do walk-ons for Saved by the Bell. 
the motion actor is Fiona Scott. And then we have Dragon Lord, voiced by Christopher Gaze. He's got 68 actor credits. Favorite of the, his walk-on roles was he's the British official from Cool Runnings. Very cool. And then Gerald Wong is the motion. For some of these stunt guys and stuff, they're, they're all listed as actors in the series. So I guess for some of these stunt people, this Ninja Turtle show, I don't even want to call it TMNT, was one of their earlier acting credits. So maybe this was like an attempt to get some actor credits under them. I'm, I'm not really sure. And then the filming location for the series was in Vancouver. Did this one win any awards? <laughs> no. Before we get to the episodes, I've got a thing or two to say about Venus de Milo. We'll talk about her voice later. We I will. just want to talk about the, 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 the design of this character. Because it's, they tried to make her a little bit like she's got wider hips. Uh, she's got kind of the suggestion of, of a chest. The kind of features that you'd expect on a human woman. But that's incorrect. Well, they give her, her her face is a little bit smaller, too. Like, it doesn't have the normal, like, nose as the other turtles. Yeah, they all have different shaped heads in this. I mean, to be fair, there's a woman in there, right? But, I mean, there's also a woman in Splinter's costume. But they, they really do try to, like, accentuate what they can in this really weird foam costume. I'll tell you from, from owning my own water turtles. She shouldn't have any of those things. She should have a shorter tail and shorter claws, and that's it. And then we just have to assume that all the turtles have cloacas under there. Well, remember, everything has to be gendered correctly. <laughs> we have to be able to see ourselves in them. So she had to look like a woman. It's too bad with this character because kind of insulting. She is. In a lot of different ways. The fun fact, the very last episode of the show, uh, you know, she bog- it shows everywhere that she does bog down the show. All right, let's talk about these episodes. How do we pick these episodes? Highest to lowest. Episode ratings.com, as usual. And it's good because to, to kind of go back to a few of the things that we did previously, such as Nightman, there are more shows on episode ratings.com now. It must be our influence. Oh, yeah. Right. For those 10 people that all, probably All listen 17 to us. listeners. <laughs> so if you go back and use episode ratings for a few of those other ones, the statistics may show differently because we had to use you know IMDb for certain shows. Yeah, it seems to be showing up after we do it, which is I'm, this time we made it. The the most fantastic coincidence because it makes us feel better about ourselves. And this is by far the largest rating spread I think we'll ever see. <laughs> I think so. Um, I don't think we're going to find another series where there is a six and a half point spread out of ten between the best and the worst episode. I don't think so either. What was our, our first, first episode? episode? Season one. Well, I guess we don't really need to say season one, because there's only one one season. Episode 14 of this series, Truce or Consequences. I got a rating of 8.0. Directed by uh, Lane Peterson. He also directed six episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Nice. And had 38 producer credits of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And also has producer credit for Stranger Things. Oh, good for him. He's probably happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> Episode written by Kenny Hotz. To his name, he has 14 writer credits. He was a staff writer for South Park, and he was the head writer of Kenny vs. Spenny, if anybody remembers that. It's a weird reality television show. It's like a face-off television show. Bizarre. I think I actually remember seeing an episode or two of that. I couldn't tell you when it was on, but I did not continue watching that. Michelangelo 
is running a pirate underground radio, and the other dragons are listening in and are tired of the Dragon Lord's oppressive regime and want to join with the turtles and overthrow the Dragon Lord. But are they for real? <laughs> so the spoiler cast starts now. They're not for real. It's <laughs> they're, all true. They're not. Uh, the, I think the way this opens to Michelangelo is in the Hummer driving around. They drive a Hummer in this show. It is. a Well, it's a green and yellow. It looks like it's out of Jurassic Park, actually. <laughs> but he's driving around for the radio because that's, I guess, how he gets signal. So it's like, yeah, he's broadcasting his pirate radio and he's like hitting buttons while he's driving and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's dangerous. He's essentially like an early gorilla Twitch streamer. Your ears are thrilling to the sewer hour. It's lean. It's mean. It's green. Pirate radio for kids who dig what it feels like to be chelidelic. We may be impressed, but those who try to keep us down are nothing but clowns. I think this is actually pretty cool. <laughs> The radio prop is great, too. His whole setup for, like, driving around in the car and his, like, dumb little radio that he's pressing buttons on. For what this show was, the props in general were all fantastic. There's an incredible number of props for a show that seems to have such a lack of care about it. There's a ton of work that was done on the production side. Somebody cared somewhere, that's for sure. And it was definitely the prop department. So he's driving around. Uh, there's a lot of shots of that thing just driving diagonally over, like, four lanes. Yeah. And they just keep using that shot, and I'm like, I don't think the turtle should be driving. But the Dragon Lord's, I guess, right-hand wick is some little gremlin creature with an appropriate voice. A very weird voice where they, like, give him, like, clicking in the background. He has one hell of a Jim Henson design, that's for sure. I could go for a cute babe myself! Yeah, he looks a lot like a ripoff of those crow men from the Dark Crystal. Mm -hmm. With one single tooth at the front of his jaw. Pointing up? Yeah, 100%. I wouldn't even be surprised if that's what it was, and they were just like, yeah, we'll just repurpose this for you or something like that. I didn't mention it before, but Jim Henson Studios did the costumes for the first and second Ninja Turtles movies. Of course they did. Who else was going to do it at that time? And I'll say that even those have trouble talking and looking good. Their expressions are pretty good, but looking like a thing talking is very difficult. Well, they were doing the... That was still early animatronics at that point. Yeah, but I say, but I say that again. I think we're going to excuse the prop, the prop and production team on this for the most part. But even Jim Henson, with a lot of money, had a lot of trouble making it look good. In the first Ninja Turtles movie, they did some smart filming with dark rooms, shooting from an angle such that you weren't looking straight at their mouth, so you weren't seeing how weird it looked. This show didn't have that luxury. It didn't. Those early costumes still, I mean, looked better. These, I mean, we can talk about it before we get through the rest of this story. They have like human teeth in their mouth. Well, they always had a lot of teeth, but I think there's... Well, before they were big, they were, like, boxy and white kind of things. In this one, it looks like they have, like, a row of 30 human teeth when they open their <laughs> mouth. And you can see the eye holes for the actors, I think. Either that or the, the bottom of the head is detaching from the bandana. I think it's the eye holes. There's two holes on some of them. I assume it must be the eye holes, but it's very obvious in some shots in a way that makes it look like their head is falling apart. Oh, yeah, it looks like that. But I, I think those are the eye holes mainly because every once in a while you'll see the motion actors have to look down to look for something. And the way that they do it is it looks like they're looking out of those holes and not actually using their real eyeballs. Um, yeah. And there is a oh, scene man. in the second one, we'll get to it, that you can, I swear you could see her eyes. So generally, the suits don't look good, but the Ninja Turtle suits have always been problematic. They did a good job trying to do this. The fact that they did any amount of this for what I'm sure the budget of this show was is impressive. Very much so. 
I loved Michelangelo's Pirate Radio, where he's just talking about like casting off your chains. This is very revolutionary, uh, aspirational nonsense. Yeah, it's great. I don't know exactly what he's talking about, but he's just out there just saying, like, you've got nothing to lose but your chains, brother. Cowabunga. And then there's we get the stupid thing that Leonardo's working on, the truth. Donatello's. Donatello's, yes. Donatello is doing it. Donatello does machines. Leonardo leads. Right. I I have it because in my notes, we talk, it says Leonardo doesn't use a katana, but he says katana. It's the wrong type of sword. I just want to be sure that we all know that also that Raphael is cool but rude. Yes. And Michelangelo is a party dude. <laughs> that's oh. an excellent theme song because it explains everything you need to know. It is. About the yes. characters. But that's like the tie-in, right? We cut after the radio to this truth machine that tells the truth. Yeah, Donatello has a machine that will always tell whether you're telling the truth or not. And he sits Leonardo down in it and has Leonardo say, say a couple mundane truths. And then he insists. He says, tell me a lie. Just any lie. He says, but I never lie, and then that's a lie. And Splinter thinks it's hilarious. Yeah, he really does think it's funny. They laugh for a good ten weird seconds. And the way that it's animated, well, not, excuse me, animated, the way it's acted through, you don't actually know who's laughing with the sound. <laughs> what is the term? <laughs> Busted, master. Busted. <laughs> the sound in this is really something. But that, that lie detector essentially ties in the rest of the story because they use it on Michelangelo. He thinks that Wick and the Dragon Lord minions are telling the truth. They, they do want a, a breakaway, essentially. So the Wick seems to legitimately like uh, Michelangelo's he does. pirate radio. But he knows that he's a dutiful man who knows what is required of him to go to sleep at night. And so despite liking the radio show, they reach out to Michelangelo and say, we want to we wanna cast down the Dragon Lord untruthfully. <laughs> They put Michelangelo's recording of Wick saying this over the phone into the lie detector, and it says, truth. Yeah. <laughs> and and Donatello says, it says truth. Must be the truth. Could not possibly be a lie. And then he drives away and goes over to talk to them. They get his autograph. He says, keep the pen. It's a present for you. And then it does sleepy gas of some sort. With the, uh, the canary birds flying around the head sound. Stupid. <laughs> huh? Does this mean you're not my fan? your show it's just that majesty wants to eat you grab him uh the sound effects in the show are wild it's that slapstick again in the editing booth the guy must have just had like a soundboard because he's just like every time they like, touch their hands together boink boink and slide whistles and canary sounds uh, cat meowing thankfully this episode is not as bad as yes the next it was one. definitely worse than the in the next one yeah but it's still there, and it's still uh, undercutting some things that I think are not bad. Some of these bad jokes would be less bad if they didn't have fart noises going on underneath. Well, I think maybe that was part of it. Some of these jokes don't land. They're not funny. So they decided to just add more sound effects instead of a laugh track. They land even worse. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> and then uh, Michelangelo comes home and eats a sandwich. He does not eat the sandwich. I really appreciate it. He did the sandwich because he's just like rubbing it on his face for about 10 seconds. Right. Uh, and it makes these eating noises. And then he holds it for the next <laughs> half of the scene in his hand. And it just slowly so like funny. smushes and falls apart while he's standing there holding it. And I think it's real food. I think it's real food too. Yeah. <laughs> like why not make a prop sandwich? You guys are so good at this. Yeah, I don't know what they oh, thought about God. that one. They could have made a sandwich that looked like it was bit, too. So they ki they kidnap Michelangelo. Basically. 
and the for dragon lord reason, wants to this, eat them. This guy's yeah, this guy's kink is that he wants to eat these people. That's his thing. From the two episodes we watched, we're not actually sure what the bad guy wants to do other than eat the turtles. The reason I'm wearing my handcrafted royal bib Uh-oh. is because I intend to eat you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a hungry man. That's it. <laughs> and because they have Michelangelo and he's like, this is not enough. I need the whole meal. So you couldn't possibly eat him without eating the others. They go to help him, and they decide that they're going to, uh, as Splinter gives a little kind of budget Sun Tzu, once you play the game of trickery, once you've sat down at the table, that means you've agreed to play the game. Yeah. Or something like that. And so they go in, and they pretend to surrender. They throw their weapons down. Then they get in a fight and beat them up without weapons. So right, they didn't really need them, I guess. No lesson learned or anything. That yeah, everything's sense. fine at the end. That's Michelangelo's it. driving around with his radio again at the end. We noticed the funny thing of the... When the four turtles come in, they're having trouble getting through the little doorway into the Dragon Lord's den. And then they kind of are supposed to spread out and hit their marks. And you can see Venus look down and make sure she's standing in the right place and then look back up and then pose. Yep, she she shuffles a little bit to try to find her mark. A very awkward entrance. And of note in this show, we didn't see it because we never saw Michelangelo use his weapons. We never saw anyone. Well, they all pick their weapons up from wherever they, like, stash them before they run out, right? Because Venus has balls. Yeah, Venus uses kind of like those those weighted contact juggling kind of thing. Yeah, like stress balls. Yeah. The heavy ones. Yeah, that's what she uses apparently as a weapon. That may, may lightning comes out of. And her cloak. And some of the things we saw. Yeah. And magic. But she's terrible at magic. But we'll get to that. Uh, but in this series, Michelangelo uses tonfas, from what I understand, from what I read. We never see Michelangelo use them because, and I don't know if the show is trying specifically to avoid some of the violent combat imagery because people were getting a lot more sensitive about it. But specifically, the Ninja Turtles had trouble in the UK and they had to be called the the Hero Turtles, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Right, and they had to cut out certain the, the nunchucks and stuff, right? Yes, and specifically the problem that the UK censors had with the show was that they were concerned about nunchucks and the use of nunchucks and that it would inspire violence. They were fine with swords and daggers, but it was two sticks on a chain that they were concerned about. So anything with Michelangelo from the original series got edited out for the UK releases. The second movie had the same problem. They don't use their weapons at all. And uh, Michelangelo especially never uses his nunchucks in the second movie. All right, next episode. Episode 26. Last episode of the series. We don't need to say it. Yeah, it literally is the last episode of the series. It's called Who Needs Her? That's referring to Venus. The rating we saw was 1.5. Yep, on episode ratings. This one's directed by Richard Flower, who did an episode of Nightman. He's a 83 second unit director and assistant directing credits, so working guy. Rhonda Smiley wrote this, has 20 writing credits, and I saw she wrote for a series about Mutant League football, which I didn't realize got a cartoon adaptation. Huh. That's the uh, Sega Genesis Super Nintendo game where you can uh, win by killing the other team. I didn't see that one. I did see that she did uh, Little Bear, though. Oh, that's a good show, too. I don't know how much writing was done on this episode. This is a clip show. Yeah, this is a clip show. So she really only did the part where they talk about the clips. (laughs) Yeah, where they kind of, the structure of this, which is mind-boggling and confusing this it is so difficult to tell what is going on in the show like what's a memory what's happening currently it's really poorly put together i think it took us till eight nine minutes before we realized it was a clip show yeah 
because it really didn't make sense. You were kind of watching it. She climbs out of it's the like, sewer. It's like, how is she doing that? I thought she was getting yeah. in a fight in the sewer. How is she out there now? It was it was very confusing. I got the synopsis here. When Venus accidentally traps the turtles in a force field, they begin to question her value to the team and recount her numerous mistakes in the past. But they shouldn't call it a force field because it's shinobi magic of a togetherness spell. <laughs> it's a togetherness spell. And the way it works is it uh, pulls them all into a pile together and traps them there. That's it. What's happening? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no control! Venus! This shinobi thing is getting out of hand! What? Cake safe. And then they all get mad at her. They're they're really uh Me? they're really ragging on her hard yeah, though. They really are. But to be fair, they are literally trapped in a pile together. Apparently she is terrible at magic. You'd give me shit if I trapped you in the middle of your kitchen attached to uh, your wife. What else could I do at that point, field? right? We're exactly, sitting there, right? we can't go anywhere. I'm going to trash on you until you fix it. Yeah, you're stuck. Say, Venus, is there any shinobi spell you can actually do? <laughs> okay, be quiet. You- you'll break her concentration. <laughs> and then she might actually get something done right. <laughs> And this isn't the first time. No, apparently it's not, which is, I guess, the point of the clip show, right? We get to find out all of her. And we got to see a good portion of the show, which was fun, actually. Uh, This clip show was useful for us. Once we knew it was a clip show, yes. Hey, Jeff, if we found the only good use of a clip show is our show, (laughs) that we get to see, like, the highlights of of an entire (laughs) season of a show... I mean, it might have been better if the story was better. No offense, uh, Rhonda. It, I, if this was a better show, this would have been better. But we we did get to see all of their villains. So she gets mad and, and walks away. And then she gets confronted in the sewer by the dragon. There's just a lot of, like, going back to the turtles in a pile. And then they poke the, the force field a couple times. And then they just remember stuff. They're remembering how bad she is. Yeah, and there's a B-plot going on in this, by the way. What's the B-plot? Splinter. Not Splinter. Uh... No, yeah, Splinter is asleep, but awake and asleep. So they're annoying. The turtles keep annoying him, and eventually he comes out and saves the day. He's just got this whole side plot of, like, making fun of them, trying to take a nap. <laughs> Splinter is kind of like a senile old man in this, and he I is, love 100%. that. Because he's just, he's making the stupidest jokes. He thinks everything is funny. And he laughs at his own jokes. He's one of those really nice senile old men where he's completely <laughs> lost it. <laughs> But he's just making jokes, and he's just like, I'm just here to have fun, you know? <laughs> I know, I know, I'm I'm on the way out. I've done, my job is done here. We killed Shredder or something. Shredder shows up in this series a couple times, but he's not the main villain anymore. So they, they've not. dealt with him. Yeah, they push that off to the side. We do get to see Shredder in this one for a little bit. He's holding Splinter in some sort of hellish lava dimension uh, with him magically bound to, like, hanging in the sky. So and it's then... not, it's not a... I, and the only reason I know this is because I was trying to find these episodes on like YouTube or Daily Motion. He's astral projecting himself into this, and Splinter somehow trapped him in this spirit dimension. Okay, so this is the where it says on the VHS the spiritual realm of dreams. Yes, that's what okay. that is. That is, you got to experience it. Well, cool. It looked neat. 
Because I watched bits and pieces of that, and I watched episode 13 accidentally, thinking it was episode 14. That one has clones in it, but we, we, we didn't, we're not talking about that. I think, like, looking at the show visually and just, like, having seen, you know, seeing all these clips of it, is that if this show wasn't edited so poorly, and, so, and if the, like, writing and the editing weren't based around this, like, comedy for idiots... It really does look good, minus their teeth. It would have been serviceable. I think you need to go back and watch the movies, because I think the teeth will, will give you some trouble there, too. They're just shot better. That's probably fair. That slapstick, when they get netted by this spell... <laughs> Yeah. They literally, they like use screen shake and basically the turtles just like shake back and forth <laughs> and the sound effects over it are just ridiculous. That's yeah. well, it's when, it's when he pulls the force field off of him is that he's like, there's a chicken and there's a crying baby. Oh, that's right. That's right. And Splinter's got this beach ball and a blanket that he's fighting with that I guess is the magic. And it, it's just playing every sound the, the man had in the booth. I got you, tricky devil. El Splintero Rivadoro. Way to go, Splint! <laughs> well, they probably still had a sound budget at the very end, and he was just like, I gotta, gotta use, use it, it up. all up. Yeah. But yeah, we did. We got to see the vampire lady. The um, vampire lady, and I wrote down my favorite line from that. The only reason to do something like this is because they couldn't say blood for some reason. She is nearly indestructible, utterly evil, drinks what all vampires drink to survive. Uh, and then we get to meet, I think his name is Dr. Queasel or something like that. He looks like Dr. Wiley, but he's got this, it's this mad scientist thing with this huge head prosthetic. This yep. incredible piece of prop and makeup work. Everybody has a prosthetic in this. Except for the, we meet the, the wacky, like, homeless man hunter. Yeah, but even he's like, I guess you're right, he dressed, doesn't have it. But he's he, he's dressed he's in dressed. all sorts of costumes. And the hair. Because he's after the doctor, right? So yeah. He like talks to himself and he's while he's fighting the turtles. And then we we go back to Venus and she's in trouble because now uh, they're starting up the pot because they're going to boil up some turtle soup. Oh, that's right. Which, yep. They catch which, her. Which, to be, to be fair with this, it, the eating seems really, really forward-facing in this one. But Shredder threatened to dine on turtle soup fairly often i think it was a metaphor for him this guy literally wants to eat them <laughs> we see some more dragon lord in the past uh he's stomping on splinter and she uses her magic to raise his foot a little bit so splinter can get out from under it oh yeah because they're trying to redeem her but she actually provides a valuable part of their team uh and then we go and see my favorite character some sort of gorilla man but he's dressed very well and has a very nice hat and the voice actors call back to exosquad yeah he's gary chalk yeah I think the voice actors are doing a reasonably fine job in this, too. Except for Lalalina. Lalalina. But I'm sure that's a director issue. It's an offensive, and we'll put Oriental in quotations, type accent. Let the turtles be as one. They rescue her, right? At the end. and Oh, yeah. They it. rescue her, and that's the end of the series. Literally, that's over. the end of the series. There wasn't even like a wrap-up to that. It was we never just, see Venus ever her. again. And that's it. Unless you bought the toys, but we'll talk about that.
so streaming, it's on Amazon and Vudu. I paid four dollars for the episodes we watched. There are no um, subscription streaming uh, for this. You do have to purchase. Do not buy this. You Don't. could go to Daily Motion, but I found the ads there to be uh, absolutely dreadful. I mean, if you really want to watch it, the quality's good for the standard. Yeah, it looked okay, uh, and it it played okay. <laughs> I've, I, if you want to watch one for two dollars, you could do worse. It'd be, it would be funny on a movie night, you know. Yeah, I mean you that's do, you fair. do you do you do uh, like a good creature feature. You do like killer clowns from outer space, right? You do critters, critters, and then you do an episode of this between the two. Yeah, that might be I a fun night. That. That'd that be worth two dollars. But you got to be showing it to other people. Don't don't spend two dollars on yourself. It's not worth it. Yeah, which I mean ties uh, which, right into right new feelings. <laughs> would you watch more of this? <laughs> no, I would not watch more of this. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that I did not purchase this. Like I said, I was same. going. I own. To I own. It. I now own on Amazon these two episodes and Garfield's Halloween Adventure, and that's it. toys yeah there were a bunch of toys for this um they were put out by playmates toys they had a full line of action figures in 97 i believe there were 31 figures um with two of them being like a motorcycle um a vehicle essentially there were a couple that had like a skateboard like a street board whatever you would call that Uh, but there were two motorcycles Raphael and basically a villain i really wish they had the hummer but they did not uh, but the line included normal figures, uh, and then they also had, like, camo bandana slash armor variants. So they came with, like, snap-on armor and such. The turtle toys got really wild. I mean, I... That's because, I mean, right, this is our first uh, Ninja Turtle one, so this is our first kind of, like, dive into some yeah. of this. I didn't even realize how deep the water the rabbit hole went. I had I had some of the weirder TMNT toys, and I even was finding stuff that I could not believe when we yeah. did our light there, search. There was so. a lot. I mean, honestly, I would love to have get my hands on some of those Star Trek ones. Yeah. So so as like the tail end of that juggernaut, it makes sense that they would have a bunch of toys for this, even though it's not very good. Be- so to to like stick to these specific figure line though from um, Playmates, the faces are terrible they look like yeah, you they left don't them out good. in the sun or like you played with the magnifying glass but they just yeah. weren't I, I i don't know if it's because they didn't age well in these pictures but usually toys made of plastic age a lot better than this and these were just rough everything was i wonder rough. if they had some trouble with one of the things about the design in this series is that all the turtles had differently shaped heads and differently shaped bandanas which may have necessitated a new mold whereas oh yeah so previously just... they could have just used one mold for all the heads it could have been a mold issue yeah um so maybe they had to do them and then they just cheaped it out because it probably didn't matter so we i've only got one additional fun fact this time because all the other facts are sad this series had a crossover with power rangers in space yeah it looks like a cool crossover too uh i i actually watched half of it did you watch that whole thing that i posted yeah, and I, I'm curious about that because it, one of the things about Power Rangers is that you can usually tell when something is the Japanese footage and when something is the American footage. Sure. But I can't imagine that they shipped the Turtles over to Japan for this in advance. And I don't think they could have because I'm I'm confident Power Rangers in space, the tokusatsu series that it is based on, is probably older. No. So maybe they did. Okay. So I'll... I'll clip this together into something reasonable but so it's it i actually look it up and the the mega ranger was premiered on february 14th 1997 and concluded february 15th 1998 so they very reasonably could have 
included the turtles they could have shipped it over to japan in the original filming of the japanese show if they had those contacts which they probably did at the time yeah they probably so that's that's why it actually looks really good for for some of these things that we talk about we we do need to to get the website a little more put together per episode so we can give you guys some links and pictures for some of these things yeah and, and like this is a youtube video i think you sent me right it is yeah with that um but so the, the end of that, I don't know if you watched it all the way to the end. It's pretty funny because then they go back to the base where it would be Zordon, but it's not him. Or is it? I think maybe Alpha 5 is there, but they're talking to the Power Rangers and the Power Rangers say like, if you're ever in space, look us up. <laughs> it's like such a strange line. I only watched and the then, first four minutes of that. And then one of the turtles says like, yeah, and if you're ever in New York, come join us in the sewer. And the, the girl's like, okay, and makes a disgusted face. <laughs> uh it's so funny like it's it's legitimately oh, man. like like that i think that crossover is the best thing to come out of this because that's it's honestly a lot of fun the action scene looks great i'm gonna go back and watch that all right so last question is this nastier than wolf bronski uh, ain't nothing nastier than wolf bronski <clears throat> yes yeah <laughs> that dragon man is trying to eat five full-grown human-sized turtles and he's got a special bib for it that guy is a disgusting monster there are some other things that kind of take it in that general direction too uh, but you know what props to the props department again they were trying real hard all right what are we rate? what are you rating this well oh, this one's like out of 15 this one's a three. Oh yeah i was gonna give it like a 2.5 i'm willing to believe that there could be something out there that doesn't even have the prop and suit good sides of this yeah well all right i'll say it this time Next episode. Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah, we're going to do Rocco's. That's good. We get to go back to something good. Yeah, I'm excited for it. And you can find us again at uh, www.90schmaltz.cool or uh, wherever we decide to upload, which as of right now includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, Amazon. At this point, wherever you get your podcasts, yeah. you'll likely be able to find us. Pretty if, much. And if, And if you can't, how are you listening to this? Yeah. <laughs> um, questions? Comments? So that that goes straight into this. If you have any questions, and if you are listening to it and you don't know where to find it, please send us an email. Yeah. Questions? Comments? Likes? Other likes? You don't know where to find us? You can send word to us at 90schmaltz at gmail.com. And so I'll spell it out again. 90schmaltz at gmail.com. That's 90schmaltz at gmail.com. And we'll see you Jeff, next time. Jeff, hold on. Wait. Jeff. What? Pets.com went out of business in 2001. Uh, they're not going to pay anything. The check bounced. Uh, dot com boom.